0: Well, thank you, Dave, for that uh, kind introduction and for your warm welcome. It's so lovely to be here with you all. Uh, If you've been tracking with this uh, summer sermon series, you'll know we've had some wonderful speakers over the last couple of weeks, and I feel so privileged to uh, sort of follow in their footsteps and be here with you today. So thank you for having me. Uh, Let's dig into God's word together. I want to start this morning by asking you all a quick question. Just with a a show of hands, who here has a hobby or a passion that you make time for? It could be a sport, a musical instrument, uh, you might craft something with your hands, perhaps you like traveling, it could just be something as simple as doing the crossword every day. Yep, that's what I thought, thank you, you can pop your hands down now. For those of you online, most um, most of the room had their hands up at that point. And most of us do have something, don't we? Uh, We may or may not be skilled at it, but we all have things that we enjoy and we look forward to doing. We try to make time for them amongst the busyness of our work and family lives, and we aim to do them regularly and try to improve our skills or learn more as we go along. I've tried my hand at quite a few things over the years, uh, tennis, baking, singing, um, soon after we got married, my husband, Yen, who, as Dave said, was on the keys this morning, he tried to teach me the piano. And we very quickly decided that for the sake of our relationship, that wasn't going to be a very good idea. <laughs> so I still can't play the piano, but he does, and I think he does a great job. Um, the one thing that has been a constant hobby for me, though, is reading. I'm a bit of an introvert, and I love nothing more than uh, finding a quiet corner and curling up with a good book. When I was little, that meant something by Roald Dahl or Enid Blyton. Um, I moved up through to Anne of Green Gables and the Little House on the Prairie series and then found myself in the classics by uh, Jane Austen and the Bronte sisters. Whatever spare time I had, my nose was usually in a book. I loved reading and I still do. Several years ago, however, I began to be convicted by the Holy Spirit that I didn't treat reading my Bible in the same way that I did reading a novel. I didn't particularly look forward to it. I was careless about making time for it. It just wasn't a priority for me. I knew in my head that I should be reading scripture, but my heart was slow to catch on. I would much rather have been reading a novel than something which I felt at the time was dry and dull or maybe hard to understand, or that I'd just read so many times before. Now, please don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that my hobby was necessarily a bad thing, but I had allowed it to take a higher priority in my life than it was meant to occupy. I put it above spending time with God. I valued my alone time with my books more highly than I did my time in his word. Peter tells us in his first letter that we are supposed to crave the pure spiritual milk of God's word in the same way that a newborn craves its mother's milk. And I'm sure most of us have seen just how passionately and instinctively a baby will demand to be fed. Well, I'm sad to say that my attitude towards reading the Bible was nothing like that. But God is gracious, and over time he's helped me to make some changes which have totally transformed the way that I approach his word, and thereby had a significant impact on the depth of my relationship with him and on my faith. So today, I want to share a little of that journey with you in the hopes that you too can grow deeper in a knowledge and a love for God's word, and that the Bible will become your favorite book as it has become mine. We'll look together at exactly what God's word is, why it's important, And some practical tips about how to engage with it and how to develop a passion for it. So let me pray for us before we get started. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your word. And thank you for the message that you have laid on my heart this morning. Lord, it is an immense privilege to partner with you. May the words I speak and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing to you today. Would you grant us ears to hear and minds to understand all that you want to say to us? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, what exactly is the Word of God? Well, before we look at that question, maybe we should look at what we mean by the word word. What is a word? Well, the dictionary defines it as a single, distinct, meaningful element of speech or writing used with others or sometimes alone to form a sentence, a way to express thoughts and feelings or communicate information. We use words every day to communicate with each other. Now, some of us might use more words than others, but we all rely on words to make our thoughts, desires and feelings known. Our words also reveal a lot about who we are as we use them. So if we apply this definition to the word of God, we can see that in its purest form, it's simply God communicating with us and revealing himself to us. In the beginning, God communicated directly. Adam and Eve walked with God in the Garden of Eden, and they were in a face-to-face relationship with him. But then sin entered the world and broke the channels of communication. And that meant that we were left to discern his will and purposes for our lives through other less direct means. Over time, God gradually revealed himself through his chosen people, through the gift of his law, through the visions and dreams of his prophets to form what we now know as the Old Testament. But sin was still a problem separating us from God. No one was able to lead a sinless life. And so God, in his great mercy, did something incredible. 400 years after the last prophet spoke to God's people in the Old Testament, God broke his silence with the cry of a newborn baby. He began to reveal himself and communicate with his people in a very new and highly personal way. Jesus was everything God wanted to say to the world in a person. He came to reveal the heart of the father for his children And to take our sin upon himself, he bore the punishment that we deserve for our sin, putting it to death on the cross and giving us his righteousness in order that we might be restored to a full relationship with God. All that Jesus said and did uh, whilst he was here on earth is preserved for us in the New Testament. And together with the Old Testament, these scriptures form what we now call the Holy Bible. It's this that we most often think about when we refer to the word of God. It's the main way that God speaks to us today. 66 different books by 40 different authors, written over a period of 1,500 years in three different languages and on three different continents, but that tells one complete story. A cohesive revelation from God about God for the benefit of his people and the glory of his name. Now, we know from the first chapter of John's gospel, as well as from the resurrected Jesus himself, when he spoke with the disciples on the road to Emmaus, that all of scripture is breathed through him, points to him and is about him. The Bible is not simply a book to be read, but the word of God himself, alive and active to be engaged with and learned from. If we look carefully, Jesus can be found in every part of the Bible. Both testaments are essential to fully understand who Jesus is because God uses both to tell his story. So understanding this helps us to learn enough of God and from God to believe in him, to acknowledge that we are sinners in need of salvation and to accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And so hopefully we come to faith and that's great news. It's wonderful. It's the first step in restoring our relationship with God. I wonder why it is then that for so many of us, once we have come into that saving relationship with Christ, that we stop pursuing him and we stop looking to know him more. Our Bible reading becomes sporadic or a duty rather than a pleasure, something we approach without the expectation of learning anything new or of having any fresh revelation. Our passion for God is lost and other things take priority in our lives. When God made me aware that this was happening to me, I began to search the scriptures for help and God revealed to me four important reasons to be prioritizing his word as well as a key that has transformed the way I approach my Bible reading and is unlocking uh, new truths and hidden treasures in both the old and the new testaments. It has caused a deep yearning within me to draw closer to Jesus, to spend time in his word And in turn, that is bringing transformation and renewal to all areas of my life. So let's take some time now to look at these areas together and these reasons together, sorry, before moving on to some practical things that we can do to make the most of our time in God's word. The first reason for prioritizing God's word that I want to highlight, and by the way, these are in no particular order of importance or significance, is found in Psalm 119, verse 105, where King David says, Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. King David goes on to describe the word of God as a lamp carried on his journey to distinguish the way and keep him from stumbling off course and going astray. The word translated lamp in this passage is ner, N-E-R, in the original Hebrew. It refers to a small clay lantern with a solitary wick. Something portable like a torch, not the kind of lamp that you might have in your living room at home that sort of sits in one corner and stays in one place and just lights up one particular area. Just as we use a torch to brighten a path for our feet to walk on a dark night, so God's word provides the illumination and the guidance we need to walk our journey in this world. It's God's wisdom for the decisions we need to make around how to pray, who to trust what to do in any given situation. It also lights up the areas of our life that might be in shadow, so that as it says in Ephesians chapter 5, we can walk as children of light and discern what is pleasing to the Lord. And just as a nair or a torch is portable, so we need to carry the word of God with us. And by that I mean we need to apply the word of God to all areas of our life not just those areas that we feel most comfortable lighting up. God wants access to all areas of our life, the good, the bad, and the ugly, because his light is a healing light. It exposes our sins, yes, but in so doing, it saves and delivers us from the hold that darkness has on us. Also, as Pastor Dave pointed out a few weeks ago, the evidence is increasingly pointing to the fact that we are approaching end times. We need to view what is happening in our world through a biblical lens, and the only way to do that is to study the Bible, to saturate ourselves in the Word of God so that we are equipped and prepared for the future. (coughs) Trying to navigate the the world without the Word of God is like stumbling around in the dark. It's scary and it's dangerous. And for those of us with such easy access to God's Word, it's also completely unnecessary. So a second reason for prioritizing our time in God's word is because it nourishes us. In Deuteronomy 8 verse 3, Moses tells the Israelites that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Just as we need physical bread to nourish our physical bodies, we need spiritual bread to nourish our souls. Too many of us are literally starving to death, from a lack of time in God's word or worse trying to satiate our hunger with spiritual sweets and lollies the things of this world which look appealing um, but have no substance and are not healthy for us so drugs excess alcohol promiscuity um, overspending in the shops all these things are an attempt to satisfy that deep soul hunger that God alone can fill Jesus said in John 6, verse 35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. We need to be spending regular time with Jesus in his word to fill our spiritual stomachs with good things. And it's worth remembering that even when we read read God's word and it doesn't seem to have a special meaning for us, it's still nourishing us. It's not likely that this time next year you'll remember what you had for breakfast this morning. Unless you've had something amazing, but I mean, for me it was just Weetabix. (laughs) Um, But that breakfast has still filled you up and given you the energy and the nutrition that you need to get through today. Now, we may remember some meals and savor them over and over again for years. And in the same way, sometimes we'll have an encounter with God in his word that gives us goosebumps and is really significant for us. But much of the time, what we read isn't groundbreaking. It doesn't mean to say that it's any less important. A third reason to be prioritizing God's word is because it is a weapon. Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 6 that we are all involved in spiritual warfare against the kingdom of darkness and that we need to take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The word Paul uses for sword is the Greek word machaira. Now, machaira was a short, straight, double-edged blade that a Roman soldier would use in close combat. It was extremely sharp, used both defensively and offensively, and soldiers would have been fully trained in its use and required to practice with it every single day to maintain their skills. In the same way, we need to train and practice in order to take up and wield our spiritual swords effectively. Owning a Bible or having it downloaded on your phone is not enough. But every time we memorize a verse or learn where to find it in the Bible, we are adding a sword to our arsenal. Every time we learn something new about the verse, we're sharpening the blades. And every time we learn how to apply a new verse, we become quicker and more deadly in the use of that sword. In John 1613 to 15, Jesus tells us that the Holy Spirit will help us to do this, to understand and retain the passages that we study and to remember and recall them when needed. We have a responsibility to learn the word and then the spirit will help us to use it correctly in the right situations and in the right ways. Friends, whether we know it or not, we are all engaging in spiritual battles every single day. We need to be able to defend ourselves from the kingdom of darkness and to prune or cut away those things in our life which are not healthy. It's not for no reason that we we may be struggling with our Bible reading. Satan does not want us engaging with the truth of God's word. He knows that he cannot stop the word of God from bearing fruit in our lives. And so he tries to stop it from taking root. He will use distraction, busyness, boredom, anything he can to stop us from reading our Bibles. So that he doesn't have to deal with the consequences of us growing in our faith and living fruitful lives. Our best defense against his attacks is to take up the sword of the spirit by spending regular time in God's word and allowing it to take deep root in our lives. The fourth and final reason that I want to share with you today is based on Romans 15, verses 4 and 13. Paul writes, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit." Hope is an incredibly powerful antidote for the problems we face in the world currently. Aaron Beck, the founder of Cognitive Behavioural Therapy, found that a sense of hopelessness is a key driver of depression and suicide. Conversely, having a sense of hope contributes to a better physical and mental health. In a study by the Center of Bible Management in the U.S., it was shown that when the Bible is read regularly, and by that I mean at least four times a week, Loneliness decreases by 30%, anger by 32%, bitterness by 43%, alcoholism by 47%, and the use of pornography is reduced by 60%. How amazing are those statistics? Reading our Bibles regularly opens a conduit through which the Holy Spirit can pour his encouragement, his joy, his peace, so that we can live hopeful, not hopeless lives. If we fail to afford the Spirit this opportunity, we are only doing ourselves a disservice. So there we have it. Four important reasons to be reading our Bibles for wisdom and guidance, for nourishment, for our protection, and to overflow with hope. Knowing these things in our minds, however, is not always enough to change our habits and our behaviors. To do that, there needs to be a shift towards heart knowledge. So how do we do that? What's the key when, as humans, we are so easily distracted and ready to give up when things get hard? Well, I believe that the answer is the Holy Spirit. As we've already seen, the presence, power, and passion of the Holy Spirit brings the Word alive, illuminating the Scriptures and helping us to apply them to our circumstances. The Spirit of God also helps us to obey the Word of God. But I hear you asking me Tamrin how do we access the power of the holy spirit Well the key for me and I think for all of us is prayer To quote Charles Spurgeon prayer is the slender nerve that moves the muscle of omnipotence When we pray alongside our time in God's word it's like rubbing two sticks together to create a fire One stick on his own is not enough But two together grant us full access to the power of God, causing our hearts to burn within us and giving us a fiery desire to draw closer to Jesus. The more time we spend with God, both in his word and in prayer, the more he reveals himself and the greater the hunger he gives us to know him more. You see, spiritual hunger works in the opposite way to physical hunger. With physical hunger, we wait until we're hungry and then we eat. But with spiritual hunger, we need to start eating to feel hungry. And when we, when that happens, when we have that hunger, we quite naturally begin to prioritize our time with God's word because we're enjoying it and we're learning and we're growing and we're seeing the fruits of our time with him. It's been my experience that with the direction and guidance of the Holy Spirit, even those long lists of names in the Bible can come to life on the page. Do you believe me? Let me give you an example. If you turn to Genesis chapter 5, you'll see an account of Adam's family line from Adam to Noah. Now, on the surface, it seems just like a simple list of names and ages and birthdays. So you've got Adam, Seth, Enosh, Kenan, Mahalalel, Jared, Enoch, Methuselah, Lamech, and Noah. But if you dig a little deeper, you will find a jaw-dropping summary of God's plan of redemption hidden in the genealogy. If you take the meaning of each name in order and put it together, it reads, Man appointed mortal sorrow. The blessed God shall come down teaching. His death shall bring the despairing rest. How incredible is that? Little did those people know when they were naming their children that God was spelling out his plan of redemption to anyone who would take the time to notice. How good is our God? And there are many, many, many more interpretations, connections and fulfillments of prophecy just waiting to be discovered as you dig deeper. The wonderfully exciting thing is that as we grow in our knowledge and love for God's word, it grows with us. Whereas when I was younger, I had to find new books to tempt my growing mind. When we read the word of God, the book doesn't change, but our insight does. As Cardinal Raniero Cantilamesa said, scripture reveals new meanings according to the questions people have in their hearts as they read it. There will always be more to learn because God will continue to communicate and reveal himself to us when we are actively seeking him and in relationship with him. So thinking practically, what are some things that we can do to discover or rediscover a passion for God's word? Well, it helped me to approach it in the same way that I would have tried to pick up any other hobby. The first thing we do is to find something that interests you. This is your way in. For me, as a lover of words and their meanings, God has guided me on a path to learning some basic Hebrew and Greek. Languages fascinate me and... Uh, unfortunately, whilst it's a blessing to be able to read the word of God in my native tongue, much meaning has been lost in the translation to English. I love the poetry and the meaning behind the Hebrew and Greek words. And I found the study of them to be something that draws me closer to God and deeper in love with his word. Now, I'm not saying you all have to do the same. Your way in might be different to mine. Perhaps you have a favorite book or character you might begin by studying that in more depth and see where it takes you. Or you might find a particular passage that speaks to you and choose to commit it to memory. If you're a visual learner, I can highly recommend watching The Chosen. Uh, Watching that for me, seeing the stories and the uh, characters that I was familiar with reading brought to life gave me a hunger to go and find out more about them and, and got me back reading my Bible more than I had before. Whatever it might be, I highly recommend praying and asking God to um, show you what will work for you. That is a prayer he will delight in answering. Secondly, learn from someone with experience. When we pick up a hobby, we might start watching training videos on YouTube or find a skilled teacher willing to share their knowledge and their passion. The same goes for when we're learning to go deeper in God's word. It's helpful to read the Bible alongside a devotional or a study guide that can help to explain the context of what you're reading. And as Kathy said a couple of weeks ago, don't discount the benefit of reading alongside a mentor or a friend. Share what you have read and what you think God is saying to you with someone else. Talking it through gives you fresh insights and viewpoints, which can be extremely helpful. Third, choose a time and place that works for you and practice. Commit to spending regular time in God's word, even when you don't feel like it, even when it gets hard. Don't give up. Ask God to help you, but don't feel guilty if some days don't go as planned and you don't get to uh, reading your Bible. Just recommit to starting back the next day. God does not condemn us. But he is faithful to keep calling us back to himself because he loves us and he wants to bless us. And lastly, enjoy the rewards and the fruits of your labor. My life has been positively impacted in every area since making my time in God's word a priority. And so many exciting opportunities, including this chance to share with you all today, have come about as a result. I feel like I am growing in my faith. I'm more willing to share my faith with others. And most importantly, I feel closer to God than I ever was before. Because as he reminds us in Proverbs chapter 8, verse 17, I love those who love me, and those who seek me find me. As the worship team come back up on the stage, I wonder how God is speaking to your heart this morning, and what your response to him will be. For some of you, you may never have read the Bible and have yet to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Can I encourage you now, if you are feeling that tug on your heart to learn some more about who God is and how much he loves you and why he wants a relationship with you, there is no better place to start than by spending time with him in his word. If you don't know where to start or have questions, please come and find me after the service. We'll also have our prayer team here at the front who would love to have that conversation with you. If, like I was, you've been following God for a while, but you know in your heart that you are not pursuing him with all your mind, with all your strength, if you have allowed other things to take precedence in your life, Let today be the day that you recommit to regular time in God's word and in prayer. Make God your number one priority and then watch to see how everything else in your life falls into place. You may need to fast from other activities to make time, but I guarantee your efforts will be rewarded. And for those of you who are regular readers of God's word, I hope today has been an encouragement to you know that God sees you and that he hears you keep it up keep learning keep growing keep listening to God and looking for his revelation it's my prayer that all of us will fall deeper in love with God and draw closer to him as we spend time in his word would you pray with me Lord thank you for gifting each one of us with abilities talents and passions We ask that you would help us to use them for your glory, but that they would not take priority over our relationship with you. Lord, we want to put you first in all areas. Please draw us close today through time in your word and in prayer. You are all we want and all we need. We love you, Lord. Amen.